0: this computer all right got it are we recording we are recording recording. this is january 1st i guess we can give the game away it is the new year we're trying new things new things old things figuring it all out again aren't we all aren't we all trying to get out of our own way i'm here with my good friend James Hall, legendary rock and roller, Uh, this is going to be casual, I told him, let's do this at noon, and it was a blonde moment, as he said, Uh, (laughs) uh, I forgot that we're in different time zones, so I had to rush home from yoga, and uh, just fire this up, what a way to start the new year, anyway, James Hall, I guess we could start out by uh, talking about self-sabotage because we're going to talk about no weapon being formed against us shall prosper. We got a couple themes, but I was thinking on the way here, hmm, self-sabotage would also be an interesting topic to discuss with you um, and how it sort of reared its ugly head, even in me just kind of forgetting about the time zone thing and not to go too deep on that, it's just, it, it, you know, that's a good place to start. Anyway, welcome to the show, James Hall. Thank you for coming on. You've never been on my sort of independent podcast. You've been on my TNT show, my TNT radio show, but not my own podcast. So this is a, a, a good moment for me. Welcome to the show. And how are you doing? Happy 2024. I am I am great.
1: I am grateful to be here with you. And, and, um, and I... Uh, I do think that um, uh, when, when you talk about self-sabotage, and I think that, you know, many people and many artists uh, throughout their need to create um, oftentimes uh, self-sabotage, and a lot of the time, I was just kind of wondering, as you were mentioning that topic, I wonder if if self-sabotage is sort of a refusal to be present uh, at, at moments. because we're getting way into the future or, or trying to correct the dead past. And, um, and I think that uh, self-sabotage is certainly an interesting subject. And I know that uh, many of many, many creatives have, have kind of uh, had to come to terms with our own inclination toward it. Um, But I think that the best shot I have against it is, uh, is living in the present. And perhaps maybe the best shot all of us have against self-sabotage or or negative self-talk is is just being in the moment and being really really present
0: that's the whole game i mean really that that's the whole game about everything even even the subject of no weapon forming against us shall prosper i mean it's interesting that this vehicle called our awareness is what we have i feel like you know there's that debate does free will exist or not and I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, some some people I respect say it absolutely doesn't. Some people I respect say it absolutely does. I think to a degree it must because I don't picture us as just puppets uh, uh, watching a sort of 3D movie where we're the main character um, going through all these things without any control over it at all. One, But it to speak to what you're saying where we point our awareness is everything and and obviously when we point our awareness in the here and the now then in some way we're with god and if we're pointing it into the past or in the future you could break it down to say that in some way we're in with the devil or we're with uh, demonic entities or principalities that are uh sabotaging our our lives i guess i would have to agree we're we're, we're in the ego
1: and yeah. uh, i think that one of the you know touching things that eckhart tolle said in power of now is that once we uh make friends of the present moment we're no longer operating from the consciousness of the ego mm And so, and it really, it's sort of like either embracing the present moment or shaking hands with the present moment or um, living within the present moment, but it kind of doesn't matter how how you you, uh, wrap your mind around it, just so long as when we get there, we're no longer plugging into the limitations of the ego. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because also the past and the present are in our imagination you know they're illusions i mean a guy i listen to a lot i listen to a lot of eckhart tolle he speaks on this but also jesse lee peterson he's controversial but he speaks about all this stuff he says all thoughts are all lies all the time about everything so if you're in your thinking space basically you're in the devil's landscape and it was an interesting thing especially for artists because we're we sort of in some way grow up worshiping our imagination you know we we sort of contemplate works of genius they spring forward out of our imagination um so we're not used to thinking of our imaginations as evil and yet it's our imaginations that torture us so where where do you see that um where do you balance do you agree that all thoughts are all lies all the time about everything, and you should just be present in the moment with God? Or do you think there's some room where perhaps, and I always frame things, I guess, in a Christian landscape. So for me, I'm thinking, well, the Holy Spirit is also communicating to me. And sometimes maybe those are thoughts or revelations. But anyway, where do you see it? Do you see room for your imagination? And how do you know if if you do like the imagination sometimes or some thoughts, um, how do you know which ones are leading you in the right direction versus the wrong direction? Well, that's a,
1: that's a great question. Um, uh, I do,
0: I'm not familiar with, is it Jesse Lee Pierce? Jesse Lee Peterson. He's, he's a pretty controversial figure. I mean, he's a great internet personality. I mean, he, 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 uh, you know, he says a lot of, uh, like, the woke crowd would probably hate every just about everything he says. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but, like, he's pretty entertaining. And, and in terms of that present moment awareness, a couple things he talks about a lot is just constantly pointing you in the present moment of the now and knowing God. And also another big part of his uh, uh, sermons or his... I forget what you know. Pasturing is that how you say it? Uh,
1: is, yeah, pasturing.
0: Yeah, is forgiveness. So those things. I mean, th- those things echo Jesus. It's like when we can go into forgiveness, but uh, you know, go ahead with what you're about to answer about <laughs> well, imagination. Uh,
1: those are. Uh, I'm 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 not as familiar with him, but I do remember um, uh, Neil Donald Walsh in his conversation with God series. Yeah. Uh, uh, would keep coming back to all thought is creative. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that would be even fearful thoughts and you know, <laughs> kind of a, imaginations of things that we definitely want to avoid and don't want to happen. But I think that sometimes when we plug into um, uh, that, that we create a lot of suffering when we create into negative, you know, thinking and negative thoughts, or either I'm not enough, or this other person has an easier Tuesday than I do, and um, uh, and I don't want to beat up on Tuesday in favor of Wednesday, but I, <laughs> when we kind of break it down, I, my my faith is that I don't think anybody has an easier Tuesday than me necessarily. We are all kind of dealing with life on life's terms. And um, I mean, there may be certain details about our lives that may be a little bit easier and a little bit harder on on a person-to-person basis. But but I think that uh, in the same way that we all have a relationship with money, whether intentional or not intentional or conscious or unconscious, we all have a relationship with pain, (laughs) either awareness or not being aware of it. And, um, and the more uh, aware of our relationships with pain, suffering, successes, uh, reading, uh, the more aware we get of that relationship, uh, the better we are able to kind of manage our narrative about it. And, 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 and I'm, you know, perhaps maybe more of a fan of, uh, of the Course in Miracles usage of the Holy Spirit. Um, being more of a psychological term um and so uh that maybe even could be construed to be thought of as the um, collective spirit mind uh so the holy spirit is basically our highest selves all working together and um and and at that moment it's really not plugged into the ego then either is it because it's it's a it's a um, a, a shared
2: consciousness.
0: Yeah. But the devil is a trickster, you know, and he comes with two truths and a lie. So of course he's not going to just call you a piece of crap all the time, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because you'd see through it, you know, if he was always just like, Hey, I'm the devil. You suck, you know, like, so he's going to emulate, uh, sort of positive stuff as well that are, is leading you to some kind of negative road. But, You know, when you say, I didn't, I've listened to The Course in Miracles a little bit here and there, so I don't know much about it. It's interesting. Um, I got no judgment on it whatsoever, one way or the other. I liked it, basically. But um, when you say they frame the Holy Spirit as sort of in a psychological way, that's one thing about Christianity that resonates with me, is how psychologically healthy it is in terms of the fact that you can repent and you can forgive, and you have this, um, this space to start again, to forgive yourself, to be forgiven, and go from where you are and not be damned by the mistakes of your past. To me, that's like psychologically very healthy, as is forgiveness. And so that's one thing that appeals to me about Christianity and I would also say that
1: uh, to, to take a page from that and its application to A Course in Miracles, which was started by atheist researchers, um, but, uh, but their, their same um, uh, philosophy with regard to forgiveness is we're changing our mind about our imagined separation from God. So in other words, sin is basically, uh, we forgot, <laughs> or we were dreaming that we were somehow separate from God. And, and in that philosophy, that forgiveness is just deciding that, oh, we're awake.
0: Yeah. Or it's a moment of rebellion. It's a moment of anger towards God. You know, like, the, like, I don't know about you, but there's been plenty of times in my life where going down a path of debauchery or escape or easy dopamine I think there's anger fueling that and it's just like anger at yourself primarily probably but also anger at God also anger at others and yeah that's the other thing like the the sort of leaning on forgiveness as a, as a psychological release and then also the idea that um, our battle, is with principalities not with flesh and blood so what where do principalities um exist for us in our thoughts you know and so if somebody's psychologically disturbed where are they disturbed they're they're disturbed on the level of their thinking and so if you you know whether you think all thoughts are all lies all the time about everything or you are just weary of your thoughts and some of your thoughts maybe are arriving from your better self you're still in this space of observation of observing your thoughts and therefore not identifying as your thoughts but rather as presence like these canvases behind me i I sort of think of it like uh, who i actually am is the blank canvas and the world is just paint appearing on it And if I identify as the paint, I'm going to be brushed this way and brushed that way. (laughs) But if I identify as the canvas, I'm like, well, whatever happens on the, you know, somebody else can come (laughs) and paint more on it. It's like, that's always going to be changing. I mean, do you do work like it also says, you know, seek first the father and all else will be added on. So wake up and start observing your thoughts and be in presence straight away is that how you frame your days how do you go about like deciding what operating system you're you're motivated from well I'm I um
1: uh dealt with uh, uh a lot of anxiety and per arguably even plenty of trauma uh in around 2005 uh when the physical reality of Hurricane Katrina happened and uh and i am not special or an anomaly or a special case or anything like that i was one of 200,000 people in need of <laughs> jobs schools medication and housing <laughs> and and so having uh some of that artifice stripped away meant that i had you know, um, no small amount of anxiety over where is this stuff going to come from, where, you know, where are these material supports going to be? How am I going to deal with this? And so I started the habit of journaling and and thankfully a daily journal um, that is now uh, running, well, see, 18 years now or something. Are we that far far from 2005? But I mean, it basically started Uh, then.
0: Unfortunately, we are.
1: And so, um, so that, that daily practice allows me to check in with myself in a really good way. And what that means is that, like, I'm not um, trying to, to look online, at what's happening in the news right off the bat. Um, I'm not looking at an email. I'm not going through snail mail or bills that are coming in. The first thing that I'm doing is I'm I'm giving myself an opportunity to check in with myself and to get Mm -hmm. present. And Mm -hmm. and a lot of the time, my willingness to do that does yield uh, song titles or song ideas or concepts that I utilize to title the following days pages. Mm -hmm. So, Um, that's kind of, that's been a habit for me and, and, and I would call that, I would rate it as one of the more intentional habits that I've endeavored. And, um, and that's made a big difference. Now, do I do it perfectly? No. I mean, yesterday I didn't get around to it till in the afternoon, but in general, I like to have that as, uh, my waking moments. And, um, and I, I find that, uh, it's been really really helpful for me because as as I've gone on along my worries over housing <laughs> my worries over relationships my worries over um, uh, mater- the material experience has been uh, kept right sized um you know I, I got up to Atlanta in 2000 and five. And I was probably working downtown around 2006, 2007. And, um, and I was in uh, a breakfast place before work that I would go into to journal, the workday started later than I was used to. And, um, and I remember sitting at the journal and seeing uh, a uh, a paraplegic that I had worked with in 1987 sacking groceries at the big star which is now a Publix, but the big star on ponce de leon and i saw danny and i remember his name too as well because he's kind of dystrophic and and even though i probably had some valid concerns over my future and where i was at seeing him in his public shirt work shirt Having coffee before he was heading off to a day of work, sacking groceries, allowed me to keep my suffering into context because I may have been worried about God knows what, but he was just trying to make sure his knees were going to work right that day. Yeah. And so there's (laughs) just certain things over the years that have had that has helped my perspective but a lot of it has been the intentional habits that i've been endeavoring um, more so than anything else
0: why do you think life is set up this way and when you tell a story it was danny right and 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 i smiled at ponce de leon because i lived in atlanta too and i forgot that we even had that connection but that's because i barely slept last night it was new year's (laughs) eve i went to a party i stayed sober it was amazing i ended up playing music at it (laughs) really really cool this guy gardner cole this amazing singer songwriter who's written tons of hits was at his house anyway that's a that's a side story but um and christiana cole shout out um but when you bring up danny and being a paraplegic bagging groceries and your own suffering in some way paling in comparison um But why do you think life operates this way? I mean, what if if you believe in God, and I do, regardless, though, what, what do you think his point is in that? Or if you don't believe in God, what do you think the point is of this suffering and the sort of looming threat of more of it? And then also death and all that. Like, do you frame it in a way where you feel like it's working for the betterment of our soul. D are you, are you nihilistic about it? Uh, What's your philosophy about suffering? Well, it, um, I, I do believe
1: that, uh, suffering is optional and that's something that a lot of people have a hard time with. Um, I believe that pain is inevitable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and suffering is optional. Um, but I also see a um that for my life I would glom the two experiences of pain and suffering together, like almost simultaneously, and not take any pause. And that requires presence. I would take no pause mm-hmm. and actually really pull them apart and go, like, well, wait a second, this is this but suffering is something else entirely. Mm. Uh, And so the best way I've been able to do it is invariably waking up in the middle of the night, thirsty, go to the kitchen, stubbing your toe on the way to the kitchen. Ah, That can be, (laughs) you know, it hurts, right? That's the pain. And then the fuck I'm an idiot.
0: That's the suffering. And that's the suffering. You know what else? You know what? Those else two experiences
1: are so intertwined yeah. that we rarely take a cent. And at two AM, I'm probably not going to take a whole lot of time to observe those two narratives. But right. it's like the suffering is like the narrative, and the and the the emotional or the the psychological component of that pain event. But I mean, if 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 I if I didn't have that then what will I have I'll only have like the pain event
0: right which is kind of no big deal you know what where well, which else will, suffering... which will pass. say what which will pass right. you know hopefully yeah like, usually it does but I've said
1: I've said before so that if there is a God he seems to care a lot more about my character development
0: than he does about inflating my ego Oh, that's for sure, dude. He's way in the business of deflating my ego, bro. I mean, he is he is like well, What do we say out. about having kids, right?
1: <laughs> you don't have kids because you need, you know, dignity or you need You don't have kids because you need, you know, um encouragement or 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 respect. No, 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 no. You have kids because you have been entrusted with so much respect and so much dignity that you could stand to lose some over the years.
0: (laughs) Hallelujah. How true that is. Listen, here's another aspect where suffering comes in. It flashed on me when you were speaking was because there's painful events in my life currently, you know, Um, and... When I approach them sort of more recently in an a, a escaping from them, not bearing my own cross, so to speak, not just sitting in the pain of it, but rather chasing cheap dopamine or chasing escape in the various ways we do that. Um, that's suffering when you're not that that brings real suffering because then you're sort of in the, like this sort of black hole of negative events in your life that you're not getting anything out of and actually you're facilitating more negative events. However, when you actually don't chase any dopamine or escape and you sit within it and you allow it to process through you, the pain actually becomes almost like God's compliment because he is breaking you down of the old and building you up as the new. And if you um, become complicit in your own rescue um then actually you're sort of more alive in those moments it, it, in a way you're you're sort of more present you're invited Back into in the presence and so actually the painful scenarios in your life become these invitations um into a certain kind of life like euphoria in a weird way it back in the moment
1: return to right. present and 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 that's where the love is and um and and so uh those are and and then when we think about uh what what is acting out uh or what is uh you know getting a dopamine fix or whatever kind of thing it's usually a refusal to experience a difficult emotion. You yeah. know, um, uh, I don't know if you remember uh, playing with uh, Athens Band 5-8, but their yeah. drummer, Patrick Ferguson, he's like, most of what I learned about like mental illness and, and recovery and addiction could be summed up in one sentence. I look at him I'm like, well, what's that? He's like, feelings are really, really hard.
3: <laughs> it's like he was absolutely right because most of us have some
1: difficult emotion fueling the self sabotage fueling mm-hmm. the refusal to experience an uncomfortable emotion or an uncomfortable experience right and and it's not that you know we're ill-equipped or we're, we're handled with kid gloves our whole life or anything like that. It's really, is it's just like part of, of being a grown-up or, or valuing uh, maturity means that being responsible to ourselves in a way to where we can actually really have a difficult emotion, whether it's insecurity, anxiety, um, sometimes success can be a very, very, like a, a something working out beyond your wit, beyond your wisdom, can also be a difficult thing to live with. You know, that's why people say, well, why did he get high? He got high because things went really, really well. And he was real uncomfortable with that. And so uh, sitting with the actual emotion and actually uh, being with ourselves in the uncomfortable emotions being with ourselves in the in the good and the bad and in the sad those kind of things going through those emotions is it it's it's difficult for most of us to do but there the the payoff is is we become available to having a real relationship with a god of understanding and a real relationship with a fellow human being because we're more human
0: when we're present you mean and when we're when allowing we're present, ourselves when we're,
1: when we're going through those emotions when we're actually really sitting with those those feelings because i mean when was the last time that you were sad forever <laughs> <No, I'm> today <just laughs> <laughs> And it just lasted and lasted forever and ever and ever, right? It like are laughing now. Like...
2: May I may remind you that you were laughing. Felt on like
1: camera it right felt like it was forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we tell ourselves that okay, this emotion's never going to go away. It's never going to change. We're never going to have anything else but joy or never going to have anything else but sorrow. And that's not exactly true. Let the record show otherwise.
0: Well, so the the other aspect of the of this podcast today was talking about i said let's have a theme of no weapon forming against you will prosper i have i have a song uh that i'm working on and i thought hmm i got all these songs that are kind of have these themes and i thought it'd be interesting to sort of podcast them you know um and so one of them is the the concept of no weapon forming against you will prosper and I wanted to get your thoughts on what that means to you um yeah I guess just what what does that mean to you and do you think that's true do you think that no weapon formed against you will prosper I think that
1: uh uh the heart of what um you're saying and what the the immediate thing that that forms uh in my imagination when hearing that is that that concept that we referred to earlier of self-sabotage. And so uh, in a manner of speaking, yeah, they're related, for sure, I mean, they're related. It's related um, because. Um, if. If I am so checked out for my own emotions and my own shared experience, <laughs> being the human experience with my fellow man that I go on the attack, and I don't care who I hurt. I'm harming myself. There's no way around it. How so? To attack someone else is to attack another child of God. Okay?
2: Mm.
1: And then in, 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 you know, in the way I think about it is that, you know, we're all child of God so we're all special we're all children and yet at the same time by the same token we're all child of God and no one is necessarily more special than each other so we're all kind of middle of the road pedestrian average
2: Uh.
1: but 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 the the thing i think really is what wor- that's worth celebrating is the possibility of human connection is that you know you're not really you know fully aware of it when you're at checkout because sometimes we're we're not present and we're a little bit distracted but the you know the woman ringing up your almond milk she's got a daughter
0: almond milk. son your same I'm age i'm drinking almond milk i'm drinking raw milk full fat
1: raw milk whatever. okay, okay. <laughs> the woman ringing up your order the ringing ringing up your produce mm-hmm. um, has got uh a daughter or a son same month as your daughter was born on dialysis and so you never really know what people are enduring or what indignities that it took for them to get to that moment in the day it's so yeah. 10 a.m. and 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 it doesn't mean that she's got to be in a good mood or she's got to be in a sad mood or a bad mood or anything like that all it means is that we just don't really know what people go through right day by
2: Jesus.
0: but it's easy to be nice to the grocery store checkout even if she's rude it's it's somewhat easy to not take that personally the the rubber meets the road in all this when it's coming from real intimate relationships when they break up oh, when you live with well, yeah. and uh you know and, and I know you've been through a lot of it you know and that's where the rubber meets the road so if there is a weapon formed against you I mean can you think of a time in your life when there was real you were being confronted by evil and i'm not even calling whoever brought about that evil towards you if it if it is a person i'm thinking of maybe sort of a personal thing with a person and and nobody specific at all but just as a as an example because that's usually i think how this works i mean we could say it's it's all spiritual ultimately it is all spiritual there's spirits working through all of us all the time And ricocheting off of each other. So, like, we're these vehicles for the spiritual plane, ricocheting off other vehicles for spiritual planes that are, you know, (laughs) being infested. And hopefully, we're trying to cultivate the love of God to sort of circumvent all that. And ultimately, if we have the love of God within, no weapon formed against us will prosper because we won't even be angry. We will love our enemy because we will see them as uh not really acting on their own volition maybe but can you think of an example of a a time in your life when you've really been confronted by evil when there really was a weapon formed against you because i believe that's part and parcel of this journey of, of planet earth that weapons do get formed against us in our progress and in trying to evolve and can you think of a time when actual weapons formed against you not a not a rude lady at a checkout counter but like real nitty-gritty stuff and you don't gotta tell the story of what it is but just in your own head can you think of that and how it played out to where that weapon formed against you didn't prosper perhaps to help you evolve but also convert in in a way where you might have seen evidence of god working in your life well I mean
1: that is a common experience for me
0: I'm sorry
2: James
0: (laughs) it's a common
1: experience for me but I but I've asked myself is it possible that I learn to speak and hear the language of respect so acutely that someone coming up on the attack on the insult Ready to deliver indignation. That it doesn't even register with me. I can absolutely assure you that tuning myself to hear respect the same way you hear music. I disconnect from people that whose jam is indignity and disrespect. And it's like, hey, would you? Hear? He didn't hear what he just said. He just shaded you, James. I didn't hear it because I'm not used to hearing it anymore. It's not my language anymore. And, and you know, I'll say this about the language of respect. I ain't, ain't nobody ever died from too much respect. <laughs>
0: You know, mm, it's like, that might not be true. I like, hey, no,
1: actually, perhaps somebody could go into cardiac arrest from receiving too well, much respect. Somebody could get
0: a uh, blown up ego and then go from there into a self destructive spiral. <laughs> that's possibly true, but yeah. in
1: general, um, my experience is that the more I, I am interested in learning speaking and communicating in a context of respect whether they've earned it from me or not in other words i'm not holding up a checklist and and on the you know on a stranger and if they meet all the uh, all the criteria then
0: i deliver appropriate respect but again i'm not really talking about disrespect i'm talking about a weapon formed against you (laughs) <laughs> you know what i mean like disrespect okay. is kind of like a little slingshot with a rubber ball in it you know a weapon. No, okay, like a it's not weapon. a proper weapon formed against you i'm talking about when weapons are formed against you that don't require you to even be complicit i mean on some level it, it will probably get to that you have to be complicit to, to the weapon being formed against you for it to prosper but You know what I mean? I'm not talking about a checkout girl, and I'm not talking about somebody coming up and being disrespectful towards you. I'm talking about proper wanting to take you out.
1: Uh, I haven't
0: had a lot of experience
1: with that. Right. And that is, I mean, as a former resident in New Orleans, the only times I had guns pulled on me. I don't mean physically,
0: though i mean psychologically and spiritually i mean like when somebody is deeply envious and going around town smearing you and telling lies and i'm talking about like beyond disrespect and and beyond physical weapons i'm talking about the weapon of gossip the weapon of you know trying to sort of take you down a notch. Maybe somebody's envious of you progressing in your life or something like this. Th- that's more the weapons I'm talking about.
1: I feel that I am personally am far more in danger of engaging those we- <laughs> weaponizing behaviors than anybody I've met. And maybe that is does need a review as um, I look at my relationship with my fellow man. But I know I've had a history of triangulating um uh overreach for power um uh uh, undermining other people myself i've done it really
3: yes i'm not
1: interested in living like that anymore why because i feel i did not i was not empowered with my own right to say yes or no myself i didn't have any love for myself
0: and so, how did you try to sabotage somebody else? You don't have to give too specific uh, well, an just, example, just, but uh,
1: by by using uh, whatever narrative or whatever uh, alleged brilliance or whatever I could, you know, whatever talent or whatever, just it's like I was in competition with my earthmate which doesn't sound very smart now that I look back at it, but that's where I was, hmm. you know, in, in, in the early two thousands and being signed and being on a label and putting out records and, you know, having a, a label exec say, Hey, we'd really like you to work with Eric Valentine, you know, who's done, um, you know, smash mouth and Matchbox 20. And I'm looking at him like he's lost his fucking mind. Why? You know, it's like, want me to work with this guy right here don't you realize my job is to marginalize all this bullshit and I didn't realize that I didn't have a team consciousness at that point in time I didn't realize that there's no way that I could be corrupted by somebody that wants to produce a record I mean, either yeah, you but that's kidding. not really like
0: sabotaging yeah. somebody. I mean, that's more just like you know, I had a similar experience when I had my first record deal with Real World and Virgin, and Nancy Barry wanted me to work with Glenn Ballard. I think is was his name who's writing for Alanis Morissette, and I was like 25 and i made the record and i was just like well maybe we'll do something on the next one but i like this record the way it is because you had that sort of pose of like artistic integrity which is not just a pose it actually exists but of course hindsight being 2020 i should have cut a single with glenn ballard might not have hurt you (laughs) but i but at the same time i'm not like like that's not a weapon formed against glenn ballard that's just me being a dumb kid and not sort of playing the game and or and not even to frame it negatively like playing the game avoiding an opportunity which you know loops us right back to self-sabotaging behavior you know and uh, I, I had mean, that right i had that
1: same thing in spades and i had very much a us and them kind of mentality yeah we were raised a with more mentality right yeah. it's a war mentality yeah and then and then what do you need in order to really form a war well you need to strip the 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 elements that make the human being a human away from them and perhaps weapons and then no small amount of numbness and if we have those type of things great atrocities can occur
2: Hmm.
0: i'll tell you if you take suffering if you take um you know the, the themes we've discussed so far the suffering the weapons formed against us um if if it turns you towards presence if it's if it's ever pushing you towards presence towards um confronting or or it, it sort of sitting within the pain and also just being more and more present i think that's what it means that no weapon formed against you can prosper because all these things push you towards you know what you what and who you actually are which is in sure you know sort of yeah the you know with with god this is the way i frame it but you could call it presence you could call it whatever you want i don't really care (laughs) but like uh, for me it's easy to frame it with god the devil jesus holy spirit i like all those (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you can frame it any way you want you know if you're present and you're in the now then the weapons that are formed against you they're pushing you towards that pushing you towards your purpose and actually, um, the only way that the weapons formed against you will prosper is if you um, agree with them. But I do think there are forces that try to uh, sabotage your your sort your sort of uh, self identity and try to make you see yourself as not worthy. I mean, there's this constant battle where a lot of us have to deal with this, these deep feelings of shame and being unworthy. Have you had a lot of interaction with that? And how do you come to a place where you overcome feelings of being unworthy? Thoroughly, (laughs) a lot of experience with shame and feeling unworthy.
1: I've got, I've got albums filled with all of those, uh, those myths. And, um, and feel with those concepts and uh and i think that i mean one of the one of the reasons that i love um, a 12-step philosophy is that it's almost like a school for people that finally want to kind of put that stuff into perspective um (laughs) because either every single human being is bad, bad 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 you know or we're all kind of a little mixture of both, some good and some bad, you know? It's been said that, like, there's a little bit of God in the worst of us, and there's a little bit of devil in the best of us. And, uh, and for us to be right-sized, I mean, that's a big part of it, too. And then shame. And then when we think about, okay, weapon formed against us. Uh, all right. Um, Alexander the Great is said to have been great and also a uh,
0: I hope so otherwise his name would have made no sense
1: wouldn't have made no sense
0: Alexander Um, the mediocre
1: well when he got to India um he uh tried to overtake India on his eastward expansion and he did not end up crossing the Ganges River why because the Brahmins got him all fucked up well, the Brahmins, who were they? Well, they were a sect on the, the caste, on the uh, Hindu uh, uh, society that had two principles. We don't love gold and we don't fear death. And so right there, his weapons, his movement was not a threat to them. You're going to move through here and you know try and woo us with gold. The gold's in the ground right here on our feet. It's where it belongs. It's God's anyway. And you're gonna kill us and live with the stench of our rotting corpses? We're gonna go be with God anyway. <laughs> and it, it, he never crossed the Ganges River, and he begged them to send two of his priests back along west with them when they left. So, you know, when you think about that and you distill like the fear and fear of death and fear of of material wealth or or loss of material wealth and all of that sort of stuff, I mean, we can keep it in check and keep it in perspective, which is usually uh, it's aided by our experience of of god or reality itself or we can drive ourselves insane trying to accumulate more because we somehow believe we don't have enough
0: what about just basics though what like you know we're living in a time of uh impending economic collapse it's so interesting you bringing up alexander the great and the gold and um the fear of fear of gold and fear of death or the you know basically the manipulation of money and and mortality I mean dude that's exactly what we're living through and you know there's a lot of people I think like Edward Dowd and Whitney Webb are talking about it the central bank digital currency um economic collapse where then all of a sudden there's going to be this solution with the uh, uh, central bank digital currency you know free magic money for all the people that are like you know desperate for money but with it there's there's handcuffs attached to it because then that's going to be the sort of digital uh passport you know your your vac status oops i shouldn't have said that because i wanted like, oops now this is flagged you can't even say that but like you know what I mean? Like, all the, like, it's going to be in, um, implement control through a, a digital wallet. Like, for instance, oh, you've had your meat ration, no more meat for you. We got to turn off your ability. Oh, you're sorry, sir. You can't buy meat right now. You've already had your, you know. So at that point, you're living, you're not really a free person anymore. And the way they're going to get people to agree to it is because, obviously we're heading into uh you know a serious economic collapse um and and people in inflation we're already seeing that um and so it reminds me of what you're saying about alexander the great manipulating with gold or trying to and obviously we've already encountered tons of fear around death and how that's also implemented various forms of control and and a sort of blockade against our freedom that we haven't seen uh ever before so what do you what do you think of that without getting too tinfoil hat or i mean i I think all that stuff people are talking about that you know whether or not they are that's gonna happen or not i was talking to another friend who doesn't really sort of think about these things and she was like that's not gonna happen i'm like "Eh, a lot of people are forecasting that that's that's what we're on the precipice of um yeah and, and look there's a, yeah there's a you,
1: you got to remember that there's a bit of a psychological hit to bad news right true a little that's bit of like, a, <laughs> you know, like we kind of get that
2: yeah,
1: ooh scary you know that kind of yeah. thing like
2: yeah. glad
1: it's glad it's just online or on social media glad it's not really real right um and yet um at the same time i mean when we think about like how much good has come your way on a year by year basis Mm. you personally okay like that one painting that sells and you just didn't even expect it to damn sell and it sold at the right time for a price that you didn't even really expect for somebody to pay for it it's just There is a force of love looking out, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean that I don't have, you know, some concerns over people, well, like myself, getting out of his lane? (laughs) It's like, I've gotten out of my, I've exited my lane many, many times and tried to work outside my area of influence
0: what do you mean by that what do you mean by that what's that mean to you
3: oh controlling other people's beliefs thoughts behaviors other than my own and i'll
1: tell you what there's one human being on the planet who i can controls impulse spending
0: are you sure about that
1: yeah it's me it's
0: it yeah but i'm saying are you can you really i mean who that goes back to the free will question i mean like you know because you also brought up 12-step stuff too and that's you know it's all according to 12 step, it's all by grace. And yet we're supposed to show up every day and count days. And we get applauded when we make years happen of sobriety, but they also say it's just by grace, you know? And, and I, I know, you know, I know you had feelings with various addictions or addictive tendencies. And I can say for sure that, um i'm unclear as to how much of it is grace that puts me into a zone of clarity and and not working against myself versus how much is my own self-will because the other thing they say in the 12-step rooms is self-will run riot so uh, can are you in control of compulsive spending or is it by God's grace that you aren't compulsively spending which is it
1: uh so uh who is the one person who is aware of Joseph Arthur's money
0: mm. Gosh. or me yeah, yeah. me and God. you
1: put it this way a shared responsibility right?
0: right and
1: to kind of to kind of to to peel back the layers back to that is good and then and then in terms of like uh, uh recovery or 12 step philosophy one of the things I I I rate about it and I know not everybody loves it but one of the things I rate about it is that it is simple work simple step work that has allowed me to get out of a don't feel don't talk don't trust consciousness wait what don't feel don't, feel, don't talk don't trust consciousness
0: okay and think you're, about that. You're, oh you're getting out of a don't feel don't talk don't trust consciousness okay so so the consciousness of fear i i would say break it down to fear right yeah, a lot of it's
1: it's it's fear underneath all of that, and it's mm-hmm. it's, it's maladaptive survival techniques it allows you to survive your childhood, but then mm. it wreaks havoc on every relationship that you're in, every band you try and form after that.
0: Yeah, bands. That's like our adult families, more adult dysfunctional, band. even more dysfunctional usually. Right,
3: right.
1: Dysfunction on top of dysfunction. Mm. I was just uh, having a memory of uh, of bringing Liam to. I don't know, probably a twenty-year-old Greg Wiz in, you know, two thousand two or something like that. Five-year-old Liam sitting at his big old drum kit, and uh, like, well, what do you think? You think you can teach him? And he like, he's like itty bitty, you know, and uh, and Greg's like, man, I'd love to teach him, but he's going to need a couple of years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> before you bring him in for drum lessons in earnest but um but but uh it's funny like in terms of like music awakening us and music calling to us because music called you right
2: Mm -hmm.
3: what age
0: i would say i mean my parents you know weren't big music people but they had the four tops on a lot and joe cocker and I used to just listen, like, to the four tops. Uh, and it would blow my mind how emotional it made me or how much it made me feel. It just had it, w- it had so much magic in it. And that music still does. I mean, I was lucky that they were playing that, you know? They introduced and, you. Yeah, it just opened my heart up to music. Nothing else ever made me feel like that. So it was literally just, like, I think it called me maybe when i was like you know really little kid four yeah something like that yeah and then what age did you start learning kind of the mechanics of guitar and bass and pretty early my they bought uh, a piano for the house and my sister started taking piano lessons and then i kind of de facto did as well and she's three years older than me two and a half years something like that and um but then my aunt gave me uh Aunt Jane gave me a sequential circuits multi-six analog synth that had a six-track sequencer on it. So I and that was when I was like 13 or something like that. And I started composing. Yeah. So I I got I had I figured out how to make the six track sequencer. And so I started composing. Uh really my first musical foray was uh in composition was recording electronic music it's kind of interesting in the 80s
1: yes (laughs) and that's like I mean that's a lot for a 13 year old too (laughs) you know it's it's uh and that that affected you
0: oh yeah huge no I was because and I tell this to people a lot like if you're going to start an instrument what you want it to do is be a vehicle for your imagination so if you can imagine like like learning to read music learning the scales learning the theory learning you know all that stuff is a little bit dull it's good um once you've already accessed your imagination so i tell people just starting out hey learn some open chords and start writing a song because if you access your imagination through writing songs then you're going to be hooked you're going to fall in love what about you when did you start and how did your journey into music and songwriting begin uh so uh i had uh
1: guitar lessons when i was in grade school and um uh i um didn't keep them up i didn't probably return to guitar until probably 1980. So I was about 12 or 11, maybe. I was in 1980. Yeah, um, uh, maybe about 12. And upon returning to guitar, my mom had a nylon string acoustic guitar. And that year as well, 79 was was when Highway to Hell was released, but 80 was when it broke. And so 80 was when you started hearing it everywhere. And, um, and this is not to extol the poetic virtues of AC/DC, but um but acdc really had some simple campfire chords and whip smart turnarounds and arrangement
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um and so you know thankfully on a nylon string acoustic i was able to kind of render what i was hearing in a meaningful way to me now um where my imagination started kicking in with uh, composing and writing songs and working ideas that happened a little bit later. um, As my interest kind of went wide to encompass, you know, the police records, um, some of the pop music of the eighties that was happening at the time, the the, the middle of the road stuff, the Madonna stuff,
2: the, Mm
0: years for fears stuff I loved it um, all big and, and, remember big and, country I used to love big, that country, yes. big country in a big yes. country dreams stay with me <laughs> yes. and That's and and, you know,
2: and,
1: it's, and it's wild when we think about that about the effect of both innovation and some of its technological innovation because some of those same tools that you were given by your aunt at age 13 <laughs> well the eurythmics were using them oh yeah and, and so like you know you were getting introduced you know tonally to a world that um that was cutting edge and new and so that's where you know i started examining okay well, well what is brian adams what is you know all of this what are these people doing what are they singing about and, and most of the time they were singing about love mm-hmm. and Wonderful, wonderful, imaginative thing, to be to be talking about and turning it over and breakups and all of the aspects of human human relationships, and uh, and then and then I remember several weeks ago where you were saying you know like when I think about like writing a love song, it's like if I bring God into it, then all of a sudden it's just universal and it's mm-hmm. not about the human struggle anymore it's it's about the individual's struggle you know it's no longer about society anymore it's about the individuals the individual's
0: relationship and so um it it well it's hard to believe in romantic love to the degree where you you know at at a certain age it's hard to sell yourself on you're my everything You know what I mean? But like with pop music, the whole sort of, you know, they even, you know, you can go on YouTube. How do you write a hit? And one of the things will be like, it's got to be aimed towards a female audience where you worship her, basically. (laughs) You're my everything. Without you, I'm nothing. My life has begun with you. I'm going to build my world around you. I'm building my world around you. It's all about (laughs) you, you know. And so as an older gent, that's a little bit harder for you to sell to yourself because, you know, and no, and that's not hating on romantic love because there's a place for it, but we kind of hit to the game that we can't put all of our stuff on another person. That's not even healthy. Like that's just actually describing something that is basically very toxic. Yeah. Um, but if you think of it, as towards god i everything's for you i'm building my whole life around you then all of a sudden you can like genuinely sing that because that does feel correct for from my point of view you know what i mean
1: i love that i love that and and i <laughs> love that you said that right because it brought relevance to the pop game again
0: right well and i believe that we're going to have a new wave of god oriented music chris maybe sort of you could say christian but i don't even think it necessarily has to be heavy handed on the jesus thing but people reaching towards god through music because we're we're confronted by i think a lot of um evil lately so i think that that might be a wave i think people are no, hungry for spiritual they- nutrition
1: I, oddly enough, in yoga, as I was in yoga yesterday, um, the idea, the title occurred to me, Faith and Cocaine.
0: Great. And um, you're right up my street with that one. (laughs) Well,
1: well, well, the, uh, I'm not certain if I was thinking country or Western or what. Actually, they were playing some Western music, um, like, um, you know, Uh, Chet Atkins and uh, uh, Jim Capilongo kind of sounding stuff in the beginning of the class. But I was thinking about like buy-in and how much um, an egoic buy-in to substance, to money, to these things are for it to create a power dynamic with the individual. And, and because I remember many, many times, you know, being offered cocaine and everybody looking at me and there's like, you just seem the same. And I said, well, I'm not exactly really feeling high. And, and, um, and, and it just got to a point where it's like, okay, well, you're wasting your time and money on me. So I'll, I'll hang with y'all while y'all get high and get blasted. But like, I'm not, I'm not,
0: I'm not feeling it. What? <laughs> so. Um, uh, it must not have been very good, James. Maybe not. I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> that stuff has an effect. <laughs> well,
1: maybe not. Um, now, now that said, you know, crystal meth was also in the in the lexicon of of the late eighties for me too, as well, and uh, and I could definitely feel that. Although that was something that I was you know, trying to make room for, make time for. Um, okay how do i make sure i have enough rest before my job back at the grocery store you know all
0: those I mean, kind of factors come in right dude, yeah that's impossible with Crystal impossible Madel. right i mean dude, that's well, a three-day it, thing <laughs> like in, in, in minimal
1: um so when i um when i got uh at a point to where i was realizing that okay well some things work some things don't work I can kind of see the function why people would want this or need this or feel they need this but um you in, in all honesty most days I mean other than the occasional aches and pains most days I wake up feeling
3: pretty good pretty open pretty open-ended yeah okay Tuesday you know
0: There's 56 again yeah are you There's 56 Tuesday. today tomorrow Oh well, happy birthday, man! Wow, oh, thank you, thank you. But but let's wrap up "Faith and Cocaine" real quick. And and why I like that is because it's a it's a visual and interesting way uh, of saying basically. I think good and evil is there a theme of a song that you have an, in mind? I mean, I think that's an excellent title. And uh, you know, yeah, I'm in this new country landscape, it could even be a hit. Dare I say, well, yeah, we go- have J.J. Kale with cocaine and then Eric Clapton yeah. covered it. But
1: yeah, well, the the what I was wondering is I was wondering if maybe my problem with that particular narcotic was that I had no belief in it. And so therefore. Like it, it wasn't I wasn't projecting onto it, and so therefore it wasn't really giving me all it could either. It's sort of like that person that you're on a date with and there's no chemistry you know, whatsoever. You just, had, you just like, had bunk
0: stuff, you. dude. You doesn't, cocaine does not require faith, dude. It does, <laughs> like, it does all the heavy lifting all by itself for what it's doing <laughs> into the table. That's, now we're getting to good lyric content right there. Maybe we'll co-write <laughs> this. So I, I don't mean,
1: need you to believe in me. I yeah. will do all
0: the heavy lifting. <laughs> no, oh, man. it doesn't. Hey, so as, okay, I'm 52 um, and you're 56. What would you, how do you, what do you think of your fifties? It's kind of an interesting age. I I saw this meme um, that was so funny. It was about like Gen Xers are the only generation where they turned 30 when they were 12. And now that they're 50, they're still 12 or no, now <laughs> they, they turned 30 when they were 12. And now that they're 50, they're still 30. And I really relate to that on a lot of levels in terms of thankfully, you know, I I feel physically a, a great, like I don't have any uh, feeling of limit limitation. That's God's grace. That's just, I, I do feel grateful for that. Um, but even mentally, I don't I don't really think I'm totally immature. I definitely think I'm immature in aspects. But I feel youthful and uh, still wanting to, you know, try new things, progress. I don't feel like, oh, let me wind this down and sit on the couch and watch the TV now. It's like, not at all. I feel like more charged up and maybe sort of less limited, self-limited than I really have ever been been maybe um with also enough insight into demonic stuff that derails you than i've ever had before and and still feeling very much like a beginner so how does the mid-50s strike you
1: uh i feel uh a greater agency um within myself i feel that although I have a history of refusing confrontation and not wanting to to be assertive. That that I have a lot more willingness toward uh, communicating what I need. And so, if we're going to kind of go from the uh, from where I've been, which is, is you know the belief, the core beliefs, that I'm a bad, and unworthy person. No one would love me as I am, and my needs are never going to be met. Um. The appropriate work and perhaps some degree of maturity has allowed me to see that I'm a worthwhile person deserving of love and respect, that people who know me as I am, they love me as I am, and that my needs can and will be met if I'm willing to communicate them and communicate them with an open heart. Knowing that I don't always know where my needs are going to get met because you know you think it's here and then sometimes it's over there, so we don't always know. But but to be open to it and to be um, uh, to have to have the awareness of of a a God of my understanding active in my life right now. It's um I'm so glad that it's not um me. Uh, trying to navigate my way through the world um, from my restless scanning rational consciousness.
0: That's a good way of saying it. That'd be a good line. I'm not trying to navigate my my way through the world through my restless scanning rational consciousness. <laughs> I mean, w- do you think there's place for wisdom, like for 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 rational? Or that sounded like you would go with, to bring back Jesse Lee Peterson, all thoughts are all lies all the time. Like, you know, because rationality sounds like a good thing, but I'm not so sure it is. I mean, because with presence, you're just not thinking. There is, like, you are not identifying as your thoughts. You're identifying in the moment as, I guess, nothing. I mean, it's weird because that power and now stuff... And then there's all kinds of Hindu gurus. There's a lot of people that talk about this, like the sort of dissolution of self or sort of the breakdown of the ego to where you're just this infinite now nothingness. Uh, And I guess that's Buddhism too. And then you could argue it's it's Christianity to some degree too. And it's like, but at a certain point, it's like, okay, so am I nothingness? And then like, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like where, where... I don't I, I asked you this in a different way before, but I don't know that you really answered it. And well, it's like what it's like what Marianne Williams says is like, so we're all children of God. So we're all
3: special. But by the same token, we're not all that special.
1: <laughs> and I think that getting to that place to where we are all um uh in a relationship with uh, either life in life's terms, a God of understanding or a force of love in the universe, a force of benevolence or a force of perhaps uh, industriousness in the universe or a force of creation in the universe. But it, it, for all of us to kind of recognize that in some way with ourselves and to kind of recognize that like, well, you know, in the big scheme of things, It's about one third of the planet that's going to struggle for water today. I've had 56 years straight of not struggling for water. And it's about one third of the planet that struggles for reading material. Even when I was very, very bad and probably should have had my books removed from my room.
0: Never did that happen. That's true. And that's a good perspective. But at the same time, you know, your life is framed a certain way with, you know, with um, it's all relative in a way. You know what I mean? I, so you're still dealing with the battle of your own soul. And the, and the sort of parameters of that are water is not really an issue for you as of yet. It could very well become one. I mean, with this world. And reading material is not a parameter for you and it is for others. And yes, that is far worse if, if, if that's your parameters, but still it all becomes relative, you know? Correct. Yeah.
1: Correct. And, and,
0: and that is, I think
1: it is, it is relative to the individual, you know, just like the narrative, uh, whatever, right. whatever I'm walking around with or saying or espousing or, or sharing you know it's it's certainly should be held in the context of a suburban night it's 56 tomorrow
0: and happy birthday again well so it's also <laughs> just the bible thing about it's easier for uh a camel i don't know i'm i'm gonna butcher it but a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven and it's because we you, you know, when we're stripped away of all the things on the material plane that make us feel secure, that make it, that give us the illusion of being, uh, powerful or whatever, you know, that's when we reach for God. That's when we really need him. Like that's, you know, there's times. And if your life breaks you down enough to where he's your, he's the only game in town and, it's no one would volunteer that hey god strip me of everything so you're the only game in town so i have to like really get most of us put it this way most of us would not volunteer that so on some level you could almost say even like obviously struggling for water is an extreme but like you know you could almost make the same argument in reverse like the people who have billions of dollars and and every creature comfort money can buy. um, Maybe they're in a, in a place that's uh, on some way of thinking, you know, not privileged at all because they're far from breaking the illusion of the ego. And we're seeing um, the sort of build out of that. We're seeing people who are sort of obsessed with power games that have gotten very strange and, And you have to question why, like, why wouldn't, you know, from my point of view, if I had billions of dollars, I would just create a creative landscape, an amazing studio to paint, record, podcast, just have fun and give is what, what I could, at least this is in my head. And then also like try to help, but also live very comfortably. And it just seems like it would be really awesome. You know.
1: However, I, that doesn't seem. I marvel seem...
0: at. Yeah. I marvel at what you've been able to create, for
1: virtually no money, in the big scheme of things, too, as well. How many creative spaces? Like, look at your lifespan: fifty-two years. Mm. How many creative spaces, starting at age, I don't know, thirteen? Have you created? Have you shared? Have you opened up? Have you learned in? Have you created in? Have you benefited from? Mm. How many times have you done that?
0: A lot, but there's also been a lot. <laughs> of, uh, no, a lot, and I appreciate you saying that. But there's also been a lot. I think of if tragic. you,
1: I think if we tried to incarcerate you, which that may still happen, by the way, if Please we try to that. incarcerate you, I, I, I
0: don't want that. Go ahead, God. That would still happen. That part of my story. I'm good with that. That would I'm still fine. happen. No, but uh, but that would still yeah. happen.
1: I didn't think that they would be able to keep a creative space from magically happening around
0: you even were you incarcerated wow. even were you- I appreciate you saying that and 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 it's true. I have managed to create a lot of uh great spaces and lots of work, but what You know, it's on what's almost more interesting than that is thinking about how much time I've been up against limitations, how much time was wasted, how much time procrastinate. And this is not like a whip, like it's just kind of interesting and also interesting in the in the state of mind I'm in now, which does not feel stuck, does not feel self-limiting. It does feel like I'm on. Uh, you know thanks thank god on a a wave of forward progress and and uh out of my own wayness you know but it's come coming off the back of lots of that stuff so there's just that relationship of and and i and all and we live in this time where so many people are right up against wanting to express themselves because i was thinking too you were saying something earlier and i was thinking like yeah i'm and I used to just would have died for the approval of others. It was all, I would say a lot of it was about getting others approval. And I can honestly say, it's not really about that for me. It's its about fulfilling the potential God has in store for me. and And I hope that doesn't sound saintly or something, because it's not meant to. It's just the framework of understanding and just to give to people as well. And of course, we all want to be loved. But it's it's less about approval of humanity, because humanity also it's like, look at Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat, his brothers. He was like, look, God loves me. God's filling me with all this inspiration. Guys, isn't it great? And and I had a dream that one day y'all are going to bow before me. Isn't that great? (laughs) humanity is his brothers you know humanity went out and buried him in a ditch and and thought he left him they sold him first by the way well yeah uh, they left him for dead and and honestly man that if if you want love from people i mean that goes to self-sabotage too it's like actually somebody might resist success because really what do, success is a lonely equation most people become envious they they beat themselves up in comparison to you and we're all guilty of it you know it's not like and and it you got to work to be happy for people that are in um echelons beyond yours in your in your chosen profession you know and that's not easy to do so if love of others is what you want I mean massive success doesn't really equate to that yeah you get people uh championing you to some degree but you get a whole lot of other stuff and so uh, it's really the older- about the potential and 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 just what I, an area that really interests me is how do we overcome our limitations and again i think presence and forgiveness if you work very diligently on forgiveness of yourself, of everybody else, of God, of your whole life, and you just work on becoming present day in, day out, and within that you stop self-destructive behavior of cheap dopamine, eventually you're going to be put to a place where there's a, there's a volition coming from someplace deep that's propelling you into your potential. And then you're not doing it from this panicked landscape, either. You're doing it from this place of God's love abundance. of abundance of abundance, right? Yeah, I would
1: I would thoroughly agree. And I, I also think that you you almost said it, but but persistence. Um, I, I mean, there's something to be said for having your ass kicked before a live audience. <laughs> And and yet, you know, you come back to town six months later and they're still the same people there watching you kind of go through it. And and they love you, not because you're particularly great at what you do, but that you're consistent, <laughs> you're continuing to show up and do it and 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 that you've got the guts to do it. OK, does it mean that every show you've played in Atlanta was like stellar and star material and great? No but you, that you've been willing to, to dust yourself off each time, pick it back up and show up with your heart and open your heart up and tune the guitar up and sing a few songs, that's meaningful. That's meaningful. So you've won the hearts of people that you don't even know. People that you think you know everybody's name in the fucking audience, but you don't. But you've won the hearts of people you don't even know just because you've been you know, maybe humbled and also persistent.
2: Mm.
1: It's like the guy that gets in the fight. He fucking loses every time. But you know what? We're still paying tickets to see him. But like, ah, oh, no, man. No, he's like, we want him to win. You know, and eventually <laughs> he wins by winning the heart of the people.
0: Interesting. And what, and, and what about your relationship with music? And, I mean, yeah. You're enormously gifted at music. I'm not gonna do do like the big smoke show of how great (laughs) James Hall is. Marilyn Manson loves him, is you know, all the things. But it's it is true, man. You and your son too, Liam. Shout out to him. He's also brilliant. But you like I wonder what you're if you've thought about it much. Like, what makes for great rock and roll? And why do you think you have it? Why do you think you know, because it's something instinctual, but have you spent much time thinking about where your talent sort of really arrived from and how you've cultivated it and how even though you've had, um, you know, s- some people would say you're, you, you know, sort of unsung in some capacity or like I get it a lot too, like you should be so much bigger than you are, you know? I used to get that yeah. more. I don't get that so much. I mean, I just don't get anything anymore, no. like uh um you know
1: it's it is true that there are times when and then this is probably another reason that that um my relationship with with intoxicants and alcohol ended a long while ago was i noticed that even after a little bit like even after one drink if someone says man God, you really got fucked over by the record biz or the music industry in general, or man. You're so talented. I wonder, why don't
0: more people know who you are? It's like I I, keep trying to introduce people and no one's ever heard of you. It's really weird. All that stuff, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. All that stuff. (laughs) Thanks, dude. (laughs) And so when I would would be in... uh, a numbing or, or (laughs) dopamine numbing, uh, Mm. consciousness, I would find that I would be immediately in the past or the present. I wasn't even present for that conversation. Oh yeah. And, uh, and you know, the older I get and the more I look at like with, you know, the perspective of LIFE, well, you know, yeah, you should be as big as Jeff Buckley. Well, Jeff Buckley didn't make it.
0: True. Nor did Kurt Cobain.
1: Of course, Chris Cornell didn't make it, okay? It's a shame. And, and, um, And it's not that, like, you know, Lane Staley was like me and Lane hung out together. No, but I mean, these were my peer group. Mm. These are guys that are like kind of right with it. We would have been, probably been at high school together. If it was a rock and roll high school. Mm-hmm, and, for sure. and, and then, so what's the good thing about me kind of, you know, not getting into the, 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 the cheap you call it like the cheap dopamine hits or the, um, uh, uh intoxicants is that, um, I was able to really be with somebody, and they're saying, "Man, I really wished more celebrity for you," and and for me to kind of hold it into perspective and just say, "You know what? Frankly, I'm pretty good with where things are where things are right now because I enjoy a certain amount of anonymity
0: that oh, yeah.
2: certain
0: that you and me know. Oh, for don't sure. To enjoy. No, the older I get, the more I appreciate that. I just wish, you know, you you just want to have a life of creative progress and forward momentum. Earl Nightingale says uh, success is the steady progression of a worthy ideal. And so the minute you're moving forward, you are success. And that feels good. That You know, we're sitting here recording this podcast. Yeah, we're recording this podcast right now. And literally, it's not live-streamed yet. I'm going to try to figure out how to live-stream on future episodes of this. But literally, nobody's watching this as of yet. Uh, well, of course, now, if you're watching this, you are watching it. But while we're recording it, you get it. But And it feels successful. To me, it feels really successful because we're doing it. Because I'm not out somewhere having cheap dopamine. I'm not procrastinating looking at the internet thinking like oh man i really want to get my podcast going again no it's going again now it's going again and it's like and 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 well yeah but before it was live with multiple cameras and it was you know it looks you know and now it'll be zoom and it's like yeah so what that like it's about the content of the conversation and eventually let's get it back to that but it's not going to just automatically be that the way it's going to get to that is by just getting on with it and doing it and kicking perfectionism to the curb and you know how many successful bands did you
1: start how many successful bands did you start merely by kicking perfectionism to the curb and just like, okay, well, you, you, you're, you're a terrible bass player, play base.
0: You know? <laughs> right. It's like so many cool hundred percent
1: happened just because you kicked perfectionism to the curb. Yeah. Perfectionism wanting something to be quote unquote good or meaningful or whatever mm-hmm. is, is an affair of the ego. Yep. It's standing in the way of completing a song
0: hmm you know yep. and just do and an
1: important lesson to learn
0: yeah or get going and then get good you know it's like the the part is like get going on these things because our mind will come up with all these reasons why well you know and oh that idea is okay but and you know it's that internal like there's that book the war of art i think it's stephen pressfield is his name it could be steven pinkerton i i don't know it's it's steven he's something i forget off the top of my head but it's the war of art and he talks about resistance and how art. you know a professional gets up and writes and just does it no matter what no matter what they're feeling because the mind will attempt to um, disturb you or disrupt you or that self-saboteur will come in there and, and give you a reason why not to do been, it you know been, and been even trick you with like even in the beginning of this like oh yeah james let's do it at noon uh and then not even thinking about time zones like what that's what's perfectly not- forgivable well no it's forgivable but it's weird for me because for one i have tnt radio which i'm completely locked into time zones and always saying eastern this that, like it's in my every day thinking about time zones so the fact Anyway, I'm not trying to make a big mountain out of a molehill, but what I'm saying is every step of the way, self-sabotage lurks. And and it's, and it's so therefore, and the good side of this is when you are overcoming it, it's a huge high, because especially if you've been in a battlement with it for so long, uh, where you've just been getting your butt kicked for months, not not moving forward and suddenly the minute you're moving forward in the most minimal way wow it's such a good feeling and if i could present that to people as like go for it because like earl nightingale says the, the steady progression towards a worthy ideal is success is true It doesn't need to come from the outside. It comes from your own momentum and your own motion and your own getting out of your own way. I wholeheartedly agree. And um, and it does remind me of a a book that
1: um, was sent my way um, called Who Moved My Cheese? And, um, And it's a very simply written book. And I think it's Ken Blanchard.
0: Um, who cut but, the cheese is that what it's called who moved my cheese i know i was just it making like, a dumb joke too. <laughs> okay but but the
1: um uh it's two mice or two rats in the maze wake up to a plate of empty cheese and then also two human beings wake up to a plate of empty cheese and their first exclamation is who moved my cheese who moved my cheese? And the cheese is merely a metaphor for job, family, relationships, life, whatever that good that we're used to getting in our life. And there are moments where we must search elsewhere. And um, the the one of the things that um, the rats mm-hmm. scurry and then sniff, and uh, and then him for the for the human beings. It's him and haw. And one of the things that uh, and one one rat and one human stays with a plate, but uh, one rat and one human also wanders off in search of new opportunities and new. And one of the things that he wow. decides to do is he says, "Well, look, when I start to experience certain things, I'm going to write them on the wall. So if I, uh, you know, happen on a truth as I'm on the search, I'll write it on the wall because it'll also allow me to find my way back in order to tell." you know, haw about, you know, new opportunities, new cheese, right? And so one of the things that he learned is like, when I start moving, when I start motion, and this is what you did, when I start motion, I just start to feel energized. I start mm-hmm. to
2: feel again.
1: And so he writes that on the wall in this book on the maze. And that was one thing that was never lost on me was that, and this is a book that was passed my way, perhaps maybe a month,
0: maybe six weeks before Hurricane Katrina. Wow. So- um, Is it a child's book or no? It doesn't sound like it, it sounds too- No, popular. it's
1: um, it's kind of in a, um, a leadership, like a, uh, a right. business slash leadership, um, maybe motivational looking book, but it's written really simple. It's probably, I probably read it first time through on a Saturday afternoon but it's um it's a compelling story and when I saw so when it happened when it comes through the warehouse I tend to make note of it to people as one of the more game changer
0: books
4: that's um, really
0: good I mean it's, it's good rich stuff right yeah especially the part where one of the guys is staying by the plate with the empty cheese because how long do we stay by the empty plate the <laughs> I mean dude I I drove myself crazy staying by the empty plate dude like i i've done it for months and months and no like dude you gotta leave this empty plate and just don't and it's like and that'll kill you i mean ultimately that'll that'll certainly wreck your wreck your serenity it'll kill you after a while if you don't i mean and so it's a that's a that's a, a, a interesting book, but I will say
1: that, like, and I am I am interested in 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 success as a concept, not necessarily money, because like money is a bit abstract, but like successful relationships, very interested in that. I'm interested in, in successful songs, like even if they're like an indie hit or something like that. But I'm interested in like, OK, why that worked, you know, what was yeah. what was kind of at work in there? And um and I'm interested in in success psychology. Um and and that book I found to be more helpful than not at navigating particular dead ends in life. And although I was afraid to look elsewhere for inspiration or or afraid to kind of get out of my safe zone uh, where the plate was, because I was used to being feeling safe and secure there leaving that being aware that that wasn't going to go away, but that what it was feeding me was no longer feeding me mm. and that too, and that to kind of get out and get in the maze, look around a little bit meet new people or new mice or whatever the case may be and, and feel energized by that. And then fully aware of, of like, uh, that a lot of my limitations are, are self-imposed.
2: Mm.
0: you know I tell,
1: myself, I tell myself man no way joseph arthur an artist like joseph arthur would ever like me <laughs> you know
0: dude i love but, you man <laughs> i think you're amazing but, but bro. now we ridiculous human and as a, i mean as an artist i have infinite respect for you but i think you're a great guy man i mean i'm not you know you're just you're a good friend man i call you up when i need advice and we're on the phone for an hour and you're just so generous man i i'm it's it's all we we tell ourselves all this stuff right before the event happens
1: and it locks us next to that empty plate
0: right so about that empty plate right so the plate's always going to become empty eventually the cheese is going to keep moving and you got to go keep finding new cheese okay so again another lesson in the book uh, yeah so against the motion of the world right how would we know Everything's in a state of flux. If that wasn't against something that was changeless, if there wasn't like you—you you ever see the movie Two Thousand One: Space Odyssey? I did, but it was it was it
1: was at a time when I was trying to get by on three four hours of sleep, and okay, it was so late at night when I was well, watching. There's a
0: monolith in there, like, mm, and the apes see it, and it's the dawn of man, and the monolith keeps appearing. Anyway, there's a something changeless right like do you have something when you think back at the course of your whole life is there something that is exactly the same right here right now that was when you were five that was when you were 10 that was when you were two that was when you were 20 that was when you were 36 is there a witness or some form of consciousness or something that is literally unchanging throughout this whole journey do you do you have a sense of that um
1: uh there is constancy in breath in 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 our and our nourishment of breathing there is constancy in our circulatory systems um there what about is, consciousness though in well no that didn't happen till later I mean and that's kind of an interesting thing too as well is that um what do you mean
0: it didn't happen till later it happened right away
1: (laughs) right but I was not aware of it I was doing everything I could to you know
2: uh was
1: it aware of you were consciousness aware of me um perhaps uh um you know if we think about the 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 sociological collective mind maybe maybe if that's a something we're all sharing and maybe that consciousness was aware of you and aware of me but um but in terms of like <laughs> i mean just tell a 26 year old
3: hey i need you to really be present
0: who is observing your thoughts right now you can sort of see your thinking right you can like think like who is observing right. you right now you can sort of observe yourself from the outside right I think in meditation, I'm capable of doing that. But most Not of even the meditation, moment. just right here, right now. Can't you see yourself talking on a camera into a Zoom call to me and doing a podcast? A like, little bit, but I I'm guess... in, but I'm really in the moment. I really am in the but moment. That is it. Being in the moment, observing yeah. that is the moment. That is the joy. Sort of seeing yourself from the outside. Now that that who that who witnesses you from the outside, sort of metacognition is what it's called but is that been with you the whole journey of your life if it has i was pretty numb to it <laughs> but now when you investigate as you're not numb and you're like thinking back and going like okay there's an observer seeing me now who who is that what is that and has that been here with me all the time and changeless and
1: you, you know, know. Um, uh, put it this way. Uh, so. During Katrina. I got a chance to and, and then one of the things that I would say the to extol any virtues about, you know, material loss or whatever, but um, it did give me a chance to pause. And one of the ideas that occurred to me. Was that love was always around me has always been around me in ample amounts however for some reason or another i just would not have it and i and i shut myself off from it i rationalized myself away from it and and it gave me an experience of hell on earth frankly
0: Loved and it, or the fact that you wouldn't let yourself have love. I
1: wouldn't let myself have it. it was giving oh. me
0: a, a a a
1: sense of being disconnected from my earthmates. And once I started realizing how crazy that was, then I wasn't really consumed with post life experience or pre life experience at that point. I was really focusing my energies on not going to hell while
0: I'm still alive. Yeah. So you don't spend a lot of time in witness consciousness, like in terms uh, of just. Yeah, no, I,
1: uh, when I, um, when I, when I put myself into meditation and then some of this occurs when I'm journaling to invariably kind of put you in that observer consciousness but not a lot of time as you know not I'm I'm more in it
0: uh so so you're more thought consciousness then because you're either witnessing your thoughts or you're in your thoughts
1: yeah I might be I might be more thought consciousness than than preferred it's
0: hell on Earth dude it's hell on Earth i yeah. can't do it dude i mean i do do it i'm not saying i'm constantly in witness consciousness but that is a big shift for me that i am just not interested in identifying with my thoughts it's just all nonsense. No, i don't think that it's, i don't
1: think that indo- i don't think that indo- i don't think that i'm interested in identifying with my thoughts either
0: it's nonsense
1: I, well it's like it's usually it's an <laughs> it's an endeavor of
0: scarcity mindset it's just fear anxiety and then you know even even like go get them tiger you know even like the sort of rah 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 thoughts it's all just like oh god and and i was thinking about it today because it's like what do you think like okay well i'm being motivated now with doing a podcast with you and you know but it's not coming from this like rah 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 go get them it's this buildup of like no there's something that i'm here to give and offer and i and there's ideas that come through revelation that are like do this do this and it feels like it's grounded in that of course thoughts are interspersed with it and you you have like you know practical thoughts um but it, living as an a, as a thought form identity is um is like Chinese water to- Oh, I shouldn't say that that's anti-woke kind of vibe and I'm not even making fun that's bad to say probably I'm sure it's torture <laughs> excuse me It's <laughs> just an I'm a Gen Xer that we always said stuff like that it's not okay um well, but uh, just to, uh, it's it's um it's it perhaps torturous it's torturous yeah so so I I'm I practice the meditation in the morning where I like, make sure I'm just constantly in sort of witness consciousness. And then throughout the day, if I'm, I I read being identified with thoughts as a form of suffering. Well, literally it's just suffering. So if I find myself suffering, I'm like, why are you doing that? And I instantly just ricochet back to observing my thoughts. What are you thinking? And I know I'm not my thoughts. I'm pretty clear on that. So and once and once you practice it, it's like a muscle. At first it's kind of weird. And you're like, wait a minute, what? And then but the more you practice it, the more it just becomes home base. And so it becomes more and more natural. Like, why would I go back to that place of, of basically self flagellation is what identifying as thoughts are, because thoughts, it's like it's like a tool. It's like a, a portion of you know the sort of landscape of who you are that's meant to be like a tool, like a hammer or something. Yeah, there's it's a, not there's... meant to be your identity.
1: No, I, I agree. There's a um, there's a good book uh, written in seventy five, seventy two, maybe even by Ken Keyes Jr. and um, it's called "Handbook to Higher Consciousness." If mm-hmm. you can kind of get past the the groovy far out kind of seventies lingo in it. What he has to say is really, I find it very, very valid, especially in a Western perspective. And, uh, I found out that, uh, that he was bound to a wheelchair for probably the last half of his life. And he says, and as I look across my life and the lives that I've had and the marriages that I've had and real estate investment, and all, all of that shit over the years, it would appear that the ability to walk was preventing me from the work I need to do, mm. which is this now. Just like I was all the time I was running around and having affairs and doing all this stuff. It appeared that the, the ability to walk was preventing me from doing the work I need to do now. Mm -hmm. But he's big about um, power, security, and sensation as being um, the lower centers of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And and it's not that having power or having security or having sensations are bad in and of themselves, Mm -hmm. but they do our attachment to having them when we want them prevents us from a a, a full and unit of experience human experience with other people and so mm. um you know part of his you know first pathway he calls it is i'm freeing myself from the power security and sensation
0: addictions yeah. sensation yeah. is tough power security i mean all of them are tough security you would think that's we all want security um but then that may be an illusion of security. But sensation is a difficult one. I think about that one a lot. Because would you classify as the practice of yoga as a sensation? You could even say going to church is a sensation. I mean, what's not a sensation? It's like it gets really crazy at a certain point. Like, I like to do my morning meditation, but I do it at the cold plunge place. Sensation, cold plunge. But I am... Practicing witness consciousness, then I go into the infrared sauna again. Sensation, but all these are healthy modalities. So you see what I mean. You could think of sensation as like doing drugs or sex or whatever, like the sort of ones that you know easily fit, you know, sort of criticism. But then there's the ones that are healthy sensations, like going and doing a yoga class. I mean, do you think about it like that? Like how how well, void that, of sensation are we supposed to be are we supposed to be just like but even then sitting in a mountain at meditating you know is bingo. sensation sensation is everywhere right powers
1: that that prevent me from loving myself and uh uh make me judge others in other words if it's if it's if we're endeavoring to do something that is its primary function is isolating cutting ourselves off from other human beings then it's probably not a good endeavor you know but if it's having sensation in and of itself having success or security or power in and of itself is not a bad thing it's right. the, the degree to we're attached to it and that's what mm. i used to say when i had uh you know it's like pleasure pleasure ain't a problem man pleasure keeping pleasure showing up at 9 a.m first thing in the morning every day at my doorstep well that's a whole another thing
0: <laughs> first thing yeah. out of the morning pleasure <laughs> yeah. so
1: it's, uh so it's um and and but he he does he does write I think really well about this stuff and the book's been out of print forever but um but m- my dad sent it my way and I was really really pleased to get it and look through it power security and sensation addictions that f- prevent me from loving myself
0: oh and and that's the the cusp yeah because none of those things I was speaking of prevent me from loving myself they help me but I I am aware like you know because i because i do meditate quite a lot or you know sit in silence or try to know god however you want to frame it but i'm doing it in the in these ways that are sort of supercharged and i'm aware of that i sometimes sort of go like hey man could you do that just waking up in the morning and i could you know but why not do it in these other things well so are you do you uh I, a cold I plunge you you... is certainly yeah. interesting a cold plunge
1: yeah yeah uh but it's great friend I have one friend who does that even he's done it in like Scotland Mm
2: -hmm. but he also
1: does it in his shower he says man without fail at about like the 35 second Mark I start laughing uncontrollably
0: oh it's great it's absolutely (laughs) great people are like oh you know it's just it's fantastic though it just gives you such a charge it boosts testosterone too apparently which is a good thing for us older gents but um so okay. you got a song you're gonna play for us i mean yeah i asked you like oh could you write a song about no weapon and you said you had something maybe prepared yeah. does this sound any good yeah wait do you have the musicians sound on it says original sound for for musicians off okay how do i no. get that
1: click it okay on okay it's on great you
3: build your towers
1: high and raise the wall so steep when the morning comes they wash into the sea
3: you carry war inside the sunday on your knees and in your wildest dreams you
1: still don't get released
3: Look around Tell me when you lay your weapons down Love like water makes no enemy Love like water makes no enemy Testified at Riverside to find some kind of peace, but you were busy turning water into wine. Tried out to reach you, all my messages unseen. Has your spirit crossed the friendly fire line? Look around. Tell me where you lay your weapons down. Oh, love like water makes no enemies. Love like water makes no And bluer skies, clouds wash away all my sin by and by. no enemy Love like water makes no enemy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: What a song, man. Damn. Did you write that yes
1: that's me <laughs> um, uh, my friend Adam Mcintosh and uh, uh, and then a, a guy here in town named Bradley Cole Smith and wow. uh, so all I had was that refrain love
3: like water makes no enemy.
1: beautiful and uh, um, and it's 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 another good thing about being in the 50s is we're kind of like, you know, slinging stuff around. And, and you know, and you got to say, Joe, are you selling? Are you selling? Come on now, what you
2: got? You know,
1: <laughs> and mm. you start working the stuff out. And um, uh, and and that one, it was kind of a funny thing because it was from when my friend Adam, who's from the Pacific Northwest, and I were hanging out here in Atlanta. And, and we're just kind of jamming on something. And, and I remember that, you know, love like water makes no enemy.
0: It's beautiful um the lyrics are fantastic and and the chord progression is great i mean it's just uh incredible like there's some nice modulations in that just very sophisticated song i don't
1: have to innovate but i do find myself really wanting to feel as if i'm innovating (laughs) Mm. so it's sort of that imagination thing right you know like it's not, we don't have to innovate, but for us to have that emotion or that feeling that we associate with learning a new skill, mm. okay, that's rewarding, you know. Yeah. In fact, last night, making up uh, cabbage and and black-eyed peas and getting the house to smell the way it smells when you're making those New Year's foods, um, it's... It, it, you know, it was a new road. I don't make that stuff every day, but like there's a reason that we kind of, you know, we go to the store and it's like, oh yeah, this the time of year. It's just, a, this is when you make Christmas food. This is Kielbasa when you make- <laughs> and
0: sauerkraut, right? That's what my mom yeah. used to say. Like,
1: Yes. <laughs> wonderful stuff, man. It's wonderful stuff.
0: And so how old is that song?
1: That song is uh, probably at a year old.
0: It's Maybe great. Where and where can people find that?
1: That one is not released yet, and so uh, this may be destined for like a Steady Wicked record.
0: Mm. Um, so
2: Sounds I have like ladies. on.
1: Um, well, thank you. We're we're proud of it, and um, and it was kind of funny too as well because I had a dream about Chris Cornell. Um, and I don't know if this is relevant or anything, but it does remind me of something
0: that yeah, he would that entertain. chorus yeah yeah i can he oh yeah it's very cornell that's and yeah I, yeah i, I told you i got i got to know him pretty uh, pretty decent uh, i would um, love
1: to have gotten to know him because yeah. he and i have i think both of i think he was an. i think he was the best guitarist in that band and it does not to say that Kim. Oh, yeah. Right.
0: No, Kim's a great lead player, but Chris was writing, you know, all that, like, sort of Black Hole Sun chord progressions, and so that's Chris, and, yeah, I mean, guy's, like, God-level yeah. yeah. talent, God-tier, and just, what a great guy. Really nice guy. Really, I would like, have just... loved
1: to have spent time with him, would have loved to have gotten to know him. And Jeff Buckley, too, as well, I consider a brother of source, never got to meet him. Yeah. Uh, uh, but when when you think about, like, uh, you know... Where he was at, and and I, I had a dream that we were in one of those splitter buses headed to a festival, and um. And this was after he was dead, but he was. We were headed to a festival, and um, I was talking about you know some of the dreams I would have. You know, I'd have like kind of nightmare dreams about heading to a festival, entirely unprepared for a performance. <laughs>
0: the naked dream yeah yeah too. and right.
1: uh, and yet um chris who you know i i've been aware that you know he was perhaps disconnected from his success at certain points and and unhappy at certain points but this was not my experience he was in this bus and it was a passenger van and we're headed to a festival somewhere in spain or somewhere i don't know but he is making everybody laugh, and we're mm. all just like at peace and having a good time. And um, I was glad. <laughs> Maybe I never got a chance to hang with him in life, but sounds in- like you
0: did. Sounds like you hung with him because that was my experience of the guy. I mean, we ended up, you know, becoming friends and going on a couple hikes. And you know, he picked me up. I was staying out in L.A., and he came and picked me up in, in one of his old school sports cars, which was amazing. And we went on a couple hikes, and you know, got to chat. But like, I met him at Pearl Jam twenty, and I had some of my live paintings in, you know, Eddie Vedder's or Pearl Jam's uh, dressing room. And I was uh, back there, and my big paintings were there. And he's like, "Who who painted these?" Where? And I said, "Oh, I did." That's how we became <laughs> friends. He goes. Well, I don't know a lot about art, but I know when something's good, and I'm I'm good at telling when something's good, and this is good. And I was like, "Oh, thanks, man!" And of course, he's Chris Cornell, so you're sort of like, "Dude, you're Chris Cornell," like <laughs> right. you're intimidated a little bit just off the cuff, and uh, and we exchanged numbers, and I don't know, it text, it was friendly texting, and then he was playing in LA with Soundgarden and invited me to the show, and I went, took a friend. And enjoyed the concert, and um, I, we had passes to go backstage, but there was like this line, and we just took off after after the gig. And I texted him, saying like, "Hey man, great show! Thanks for the show. Uh, there's a long line to get backstage. You, I don't know if you guys are hanging out, but you know, we split. Let's like connect later." And he's like dude you left like I wanted you I wanted you to come hang out you know he was like that it was like he was more friendly than like I was kind of approaching him like he's like this you know sort of beyond me I should you know but he wasn't like that at all he was so open and and friendly and and wanting to connect and Yeah. yeah it's hard to to me to imagine uh that guy um you know, anyway, I, I mean that's a whole other conversation we need not get into. But uh yeah, that's amazing. I can hear. That's a pod,
1: That's a podcast unto itself. What happened yeah.
0: to
2: your group? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, um, but yeah, he was an amazing guy, man, and and I have had encounters since then where I felt like I was in contact with him from the spirit realm as well. And, you know, you could take that for what it is, could be your imagination, just kind of like your dream. Like I, it resonates with me like, no, that seems like a visitation, you know? And, and I'm sure he must've loved you, you know? I mean, you know, and was aware of you. He had to have been, um,
1: no idea, but um, I'm sure I, love, I, love I have
0: I have no no doubt about that. But you know the, that song too the the chord progression stuff. Interesting chord progressions are something I I'm wanting my songwriting to evolve into more. Sometimes I stick with cowboy chords, and you know you you want your songwriting to be natural and effortless. And of course, Lou Reed says any more than two chords is jazz, and you you know heroin his song is d and g i think you know it's it, it, you can write great songs with cowboy chords yep but when you get more interesting in the progressions and that what's his name rick i forget his last name but he's got that huge youtube channel oh, rick beato rick beato right i love his channel and his interviews like he did one with andy summers and you get a lot of value out of that stuff you know because it's like wow you know i could because the older you get with songwriting the more like how can i evolve into where i'm not just writing the same song over and over again and one lane i could see myself really evolving more into is more interesting chords learning more interesting chords which will present you know more interesting songs i think right
1: and and that's And that is like largely for me has been something that has been continuing since I was a young boy was, you know, learning the Highway to Hell record and and learning these Van Halen records and learning these pop songs and pop music over the years, even though perhaps, you know, my understanding of Sweet Dreams Are Made of This was one thing in 1985, but the older i get the more i'm able to to utilize all the influence of learning other people's songs and apply it now and mm. uh, and so you know when when uh he's <laughs> like so how do you play you know uh, sweet dreams are made of this now I was like well i oftentimes i'll start off with the, like the gospel vamp it's like the gospel vamp yeah the gospel vamp it's in that song you know, never hear it it's like Hold your head up, moving on. Keep your head up, moving on. Hold your head up, moving
3: on. Keep your head up, moving on. Hold your head up, moving on. Keep your head up, moving on. Hold your head up, moving on. on, Keep your head up.
1: And then you're in it, and so (laughs) so good. So it's so cool, right? Right. Like it happens so fast in the composition that we don't realize we just got we just got the rave up. Mm
0: Mm-hmm that's interesting
1: and, and and but the older we get and we revisit even the songs that were cowboy chord songs we start realizing now there was a little bit of subtle stuff there going on and that's one of the things i really like about rick beato what he has to say on his channel about because he's it's all inspiration and love driven everything oh, that yeah. he's, like everything he teaches about something he loves and respects
0: yeah he's great what a great character that we're that we have on our hands yeah, he's a guy yeah do you know him i mean he's an atlanta guy i don't think i i, I don't know that he i crossed him. paths with him when i was in atlanta but you know did did you i mean he's got to be totally aware of you as well
1: he allegedly is aware is aware of me oh, but i've never sure. met him yeah
0: but it'd be interesting to talk with him oh man i would love for you to be on his show and get interviewed i mean he would do such a great one that would be a great one for him I think, too. I mean,
1: I love what he had to say, and I loved about him sharing about his aunt that gave him the piano and just all kinds of cool stuff that he learned over the years growing up in Mm -hmm. Ohio, I think, as well.
0: Is that where he grew up? That's where I grew up. That's crazy. I didn't know he was from Ohio. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, so on Rick Beato, though, what do you, like, you know, as far from my point of view... You know this James Hall is the greatest version ever like you you you've lost nothing you know your songs keep getting better and better they you've always been strong um, and even we're doing this podcast now it's like we're living in this time of uh, a creator's economy you know um, have you thought about doing something branching out from music where you're sort of participating, maybe starting a podcast, maybe breaking down other people's song, like, uh, what's his name? Justin, uh, from the darkness, Justin Hawkins. I think he's got a great YouTube channel where he breaks down songs and that's going really well for him. And so are you thinking in terms of like, cause that's what it seems like the comedians did it first, obviously, Joe Rogan, Theo Vaughn, all those guys They're their digital content is sort of all of it works together with their live dates and everything like that. It seems to me um, in, in the sort of gluttony of content that's out there to, to sort of get your, uh, your, your work out there, we have to sort of expand the universe and how we present it via podcasts via whatever social media um so do you think in along those lines like maybe uh creating james hall content outside of just songs and and touring
1: um a good that's a good question um i uh i haven't really entertained it too much because because a lot of the time they do feel um uh happier the less screen time I have. (laughs) Sorry for sounding. But I mean like in in terms of like writing a song, it's usually like pen and paper and a couple friends and a guitar. And so um uh recording it is a whole different thing. I'm I am best served when it's Captured live in some manner, even if it's you know maybe you mix it not live or or you you um, uh, reapproach it at a later date. But um, but uh, I haven't really entertained too much in the way of like content creation. Um, although I do believe that um, uh, maybe it has always been a creative economy um, or a creator economy because. Uh, well, do you know um, Jeff Bacos?
0: Of course, dude. I'm an Atlanta okay. native, dude. I used to work at Clark Music right next to Bacos. I can't believe you're bringing up Jeff Bacos. Shout out Jeff Bacos if you're listening to this. He's an yeah. amazing dude. Well, I recorded, I recorded with him back in the day.
1: He and he's he's wonderful, and he's inspired, and uh, he's got a he's got that's great two to sons. hear that are in their, you know, they're in their early 20s and kind of getting out on their own and kind of finding out who they are. And one of them, at least to my knowledge, is is becoming a musician. And, uh, and uh, one thing Jeff said to me, he's like, man, I tell my kids like, um, there's a lot more money than there are good ideas. He says, just work for the ideas. Keep, you know, keep the ideas going around. Cause a lot of the time, the people with the money and don't have any idea (laughs) will pay a lot of money for your ideas. And that's certainly kind of the, the the interesting approach to it. But, uh, but that was the advice that he was given his sons. And I thought that was a really, really interesting approach to like, kind of uh, like, uh, do we work for, for an ideal or an idea more so than we work for money? And, um, and, and I don't necessarily think that there's, any right or wrong you know in how we approach but i know for me i would far more rather work for meaning than for money
0: Um, yeah but uh, they can blend and and we just can't we have to acknowledge the world that we're in and we have to and we and it can't help but notice what is working for people and it happens to be content you know, it's like, yeah. and so then, and, and, look, and then, we'll like, look the at this podcast. I'm like, this is great, man. I'm glad we're doing this. Yes, there's, uh, you like with all things. There's the yin and the yang. There's the sun right there, but then there's the shadow that that's casting, right? And so, just because a shadow exists, doesn't mean. You know, I should try to stay away from going into the sun because there's going to be a shadow. The shadow being ambition or and not that it, ambition is even wrong, but just like, you know, the the things about, oh, screen, social media. It, ha- it has this stuff and it is exhausting and it is, you know, a torture and, and, and many negatives about it as well. But the positives are like when you get into a lane like you, you you sort of get out of your own way enough to cultivate your love, to present to people as someone like Rick Beato is doing, you know, and then it becomes like, well, well, that's just a gift to humanity, what he's doing, (laughs) you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, it's in the same lane as social media. And yeah, I'm sure he's um, business minded about it and ambitious. And the shadow is there with the giant sun as well for him and for everybody. But if you balance that right and you sort of like go, well, like, you know, I mean, because, you know, when we came up, when you got your huge record deal with Geffen and I got my deal with Peter Gabriel and then the Virgin Records and all that kind of stuff. And then you just had these enormous teams if you were lucky enough to get signed that would then you could have that thing. And plus, we grew up in the sort of, you know grunge era where it was like any ambition was seen as you know oh you're a sellout you're not legit all that kind of stuff you know it was easy for us to go like i'm just an artist i'm just writing my songs and 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 there was this stuff behind you but nowadays it's like TikTok, it's all these things and You know, so you, I I don't know, on on some level, it can be an opportunity to get soulfully creative within the confines of the structure of social media and, you know, modern day marketing, which is basically content, you know? And so then, but but what ultimately can come out of it is something of great value to people. And of course, that's really what the only thing that's going to win anyway. So, and then, but I'll
1: say this whatever's happening here between you and me I'm loving
0: yeah exactly me too
1: And, and uh and so that's uh that's very real to me and that's very valid to me so if um if there is put it this way digital evidence of good communication and and inspired conversation like how many episodes of Rick Beato have I watched a lot. How many episodes of um, of uh, of um, of Ren Gill's performances and his own podcasts and stuff have I watched? Plenty um, of the Singer of the Darkness. Um, uh, it, like I've watched all of those and a yeah. lot. Of, the reason I I, I connect with them is because. It's usually centering around inspiration um, and love.
0: Mm. Lead with love yeah well it's interesting you know it's it can be fun if it's all in its right place if not if it's not motivated by fear so much of the work i've done in the past has been motivated by fear and it hasn't gone anywhere some of it you know and some of it's been motivated by love and has gone somewhere and a lot of it's a mix of all of it but also you can't judge and condemn yourself so even if you have operated from a place of ego in the past we all have you know uh you know, that, choose again. so so huh
1: we can always choose again
0: we can choose every day and and what better place to say that on new year's day which kind of gives you that it's sort of it it, it has a the autom- the reset built into it it's like this is the first day of the rest of your life it it feels <laughs> that way and that's one thing great about new years is it's like start again whatever it is that you've done that hasn't gone the way you wanted it to, or that you, you know, ooh, I wish I didn't do it like that, or oh, I could have done that, or why didn't I get going sooner, or this, that, and the other. All of that wash away, start now, start today, you know?
1: And, and God bless my mom, uh, 55 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With her firstborn, which was me, a nine pound me. So, um, you know we think about all of those uh, all of those resets all those new experiences Mm. I hit the planet in Houston
0: nice something about you reminds me of uh, Hank Williams always you've always (laughs) reminded me of Hank Williams I don't know why dude but that's it's the howdy doody head it's just the classic it's I don't know you're you're the I think it's the the genuine the, your genuineness. We'll play you a little of this. Can you hear that? Is my musician? Yeah, yep. all right. So this one's no weapon.
4: <laughs> In the battle you never could conquer, comes a rage, builds inside you a monster. But if you forgive who led you to the slaughter No weapon they've used against you will bother No weapon formed against you will prosper And though it's hard to let go of the anger when the devil wants to keep you in danger if you can lean ever more towards the savior no weapon they've bet against you will wager no weapon formed against you will prosper Trying to make your way back to the light where your dreams are still running, they're free. Asking the Lord to help make it all right and to be who He wants you to be. He wants you to be so. and free Faith is hard but the only solution In a world full of spiritual pollution When so many angle for your disaster the weapons they've used against you don't matter No weapon formed against you will prosper No weapon formed against you will prosper But full of hate, hard to love on your neighbor In debate as they act like a stranger But if you can see everyone as your brother No weapon they've used against you will bother No weapon formed against you will prosper No weapon formed against you will prosper Trying to make your way back to the light Where your dreams are still running, they're free Asking the Lord to help make it all right And to be who He wants you to be He wants you to be so free Be He wants you to be joyous and (laughs)
1: <laughs> and and it is masterfully rhymed and told and woven. And uh, and then also where it ends up is not where it began.
0: Yeah, there's a key change, I guess, in there. And I, I kept messing, I, I forgot, I was like, you know how sometimes you can't spell the word cat? Like, I know that chord progression, <laughs> but I kept playing it wrong at the top, and I kept like... Uh, just not letting that stop me. It was, and then finally I got it. I got it right again. I kept doing. Like, there were
1: cool. There were really cool chords in there too. Is like the, um, like the G that you were hitting has got like you know an F sharp way over it, you know, and that's uh, really cool sound. And like that you know, that. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of stuff always makes it, makes it interesting. I think for me too, as well as a listener looking at that. G well that's really yeah, cool. so yeah. It's, it, it, it there's you know um kim was reading me an article about the use of color in evoking emotion in films and um and i think that color in the use of chords is also similarly useful uh, mm. emotion in us and uh, i love that that you that you're if you're looking at that, and, and it's not that there's anything wrong with cowboy chords because cowboy chords are awesome. The cowboy chords are what got me where I am. Mm-hmm. But as we're getting older and we're kind of experiencing, like, oh, this is a complicated emotion. <laughs> you know? it's like, this is not like being 13 in love anymore. It's a complicated emotion. And so it's only right that we have some, some chords with some more color to it.
0: Are you surprised? at all like you know because also we were talking about back when we started and there was definitely still when we were going the narrative that was like oh once you're 27 you're way past your sell by date or 30 certainly is like ancient you know and there was that sort of uh ageism with music pretty heavy and that's I th- I'd say it's still there on some level with like TikTok and all that, and the, you know, there's definitely in the pop charts a, a youth dominated field. But are you um, at all like, for one, did that ever sort of? because I, I know you did the sort of books for Africa thing and you've done different things with your life uh, outside of music. I wonder if there was ever a point where you thought, okay, my music is now over. And do you think now, do you see an open road of endless possibilities and evolution towards music and, and feel completely rejuvenated by it? And if so, does that surprise you?
1: Um, uh I um. If I'm looking at the artists who are, are are either peers or older than me that are still alive and still doing it, I am. Um, I'm grateful that they're still offering something into the conversation, and um, and if you know, and if I and if think about. You know your song no weapon um it's it's highly encouraging to hear that sort of work coming out right now you know because that's a philosophy i'm right behind mm. you know that's a, that's a unitive <laughs> that's a one heart kind of kind of approach yeah and uh and and, and so I think that that ends up being open ended in and of itself. You know, I think that becomes like a wide, a wide road of future, a wide road of possibilities.
0: And absolutely. And
1: and, and then so, you know, is ageism like a thing and stuff like that? Yes. In a, in and what I mean. All of these are tools every ism is a tool to separate ourselves from ourselves. And that just seems like more madness. And I got plenty of mental illness in my family tree. Just shake, shake the family tree and a lunatic or two is bound to drop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny.
4: Dude. <laughs>
0: that's a good image. You should write that. You should write that song. Shake the family, family tree. My family tree of addiction and mental illness. Yeah, what, what family doesn't, you know, that, that's the whole thing too. It's Speaking like, you know, because in my Wikipedia it says recovering addict or whatever, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I did AA and, and certainly went down ropey roads with all that. But when I think about it now, I think like it's kind of almost outdated the concept of the addict as this sort of special thing because it's like dude everyone especially when, when we factor in phones man we're just living in a world of addicts yeah not everybody's doing drugs that are sort of dangerous and and obviously you know there's uh there's levels of course i i know that but you know like i mean like addiction or calling labeling somebody an addict it's like it's, you know what I mean? It's almost weird now because it's like, who's not an addict? If you're, if you're on your phone 24 seven, you're an addict.
1: Yeah. When, um, uh, one fella in, in, uh, in the men's group for Al-Anon would refer to it as like, yeah, you know, I think that sometimes it's not even like the substance or the effect of substance on a dynamic or a relationship. It's the mood altering people in my life today Mm. people <laughs> have you experienced the thing with any mood altering people joe <laughs> absolutely it's thoughts too.
0: dude it's also down to thoughts i mean i like you know i'm looking at some you know um fallouts in my recent life and, and i can pin it down to me allowing for s- certain ways of thinking i mean you don't even need a phone it, it's just your th- thinking it's like and and that takes me to ho'oponopono which is what is something i practice a whole lot and it's because if i feel resentment bubbling up in me i i attack that right away with ho'oponopono i love you i'm sorry please forgive me thank you because i'm really policing the content of my mind um because i know how powerful Ever that is and when you practice ho'oponopono you can heal relationships with people that will surprise you. And even if that doesn't end up being the case, if if you get betrayed by somebody, or if somebody does something you think is betrayal, and you allow, you, you sort of uh, allow for anger to happen, you're then, it's like a devil in, it's like a demon in them Stoking a demon in you, but you don't have to let allow for that. You can understand that there's. A, it's not even them. It's something working through them. It's a spirit working through them, trying to, trying to access the demonic spirits in you. But you can cut that off at the pass. And one of the tools I use to do that is Ho'oponopono. I just practice that mantra, and That's it's
1: a Hawaiian philosophy.
0: Hawaiian, right? yeah.
1: Have you ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. I've never been to Hawaii. Yeah. Never.
0: It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. And uh, I've 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 known um a few musicians that were from Hawaii or grew up in Hawaii or spent a lot of time in a few musicians that spent some time in Hawaii and um and it's changed them, I would say.
0: In what way?
1: Um I would say for the better because of their. They seem to have an insistence on living in concert with the natural world.
0: Mm. Arizona's done that for me. I mean, the mountains and here, and just something yeah. about it.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Get out of it to go in. You know.
0: Um. And I want to wrap this up because we've been going a long time and, you know, I appreciate you giving me so much of your time and all that, but I want to ask you, like, do you contemplate death ever? And when you think about it, do you think like, uh, you know, when I contemplate it, I think of like, wow, this whole thing is going to end up feeling like a flash, I would say. And what is the ultimate, um... that's another forgiving balm across the whole spread of your whole life because when you think about you you leaving and what's behind is this story that was your life that's going to fade as well except for the effect you've had on people and the effect that they've had on you and I'm just wondering when, when or if you contemplate death how do you perceive it and what does that do to you
1: um and so uh for many many years i had a a fear of death and a fear of dying and fear of violence and you know of course you know being in new orleans as long as i was it's that that's something you kind of wake up to but um hey Getting older and seeing our parents age, and um, and and realizing that there's not really much of a guarantee of anything, um, and uh, and as we think about death and and what we've decided to do with our lives, with our time over the years, and how we chose to live, how we chose to love, how we chose to experience things, um, I think that. Uh, as long as I am am awake, and useful, and um, and at least relatively coherent, um, and and you know, I guess maybe say, not uh, ruled by pain, or the pursuit of pleasure, I think um, I I think that I'll, I'll have a good life. Um, you know, you know eyesight, hearing, ability to taste, the ability to smell, and I've got all of those at a pretty good level right now, but that may not be the same way in 40 years. You know? <laughs> and, and so for me to, uh, to remember that, that you know, there's certain things that I've had easier access to when I was younger that are uh, perhaps a little bit more, uh, require more intention and attention now that I'm older. But I think as long as I can uh, get around and, and move and, and, and be industrious and productive and useful, and, and sometimes even if the only thing I'm doing is offering encouragement, I still think it's worthwhile. And, um, uh, and sharing experience. I mean, how many times is somebody older than you you know, we've said something really encouraging, and it's like, man, that's like the best thing I heard in two months.
2: Mm.
1: It's just like the right thing. You know, and of course, it requires, you know, me to be present in order to hear it, too. But, um, but I think that uh, death is not, I don't think it's, it's worth being fearful about or afraid of. Um, and that is, that's also requiring the, I would call it the two-way trust relationship with the God of my understanding, too. So in other words, I trust that the time that I have will be appropriate. Uh, in other words, not too much, but not too little. <laughs> and um, and, and that, um, that, you know, uh, uh, the experience of God is keeping me here uh, for a reason. Because uh, I've done stupid things too, as well that wouldn't necessarily guarantee existence. You know, mm. skimmed the gene pool a few
0: times. Oh yeah. Um, and, Hallelujah, uh, brother! <laughs> tell about it. Right? High five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I, I don't.
1: Uh, I don't think that um, uh, death was anything that's that's worthy of our fear. I think that it's, and it doesn't, isn't necessarily like the end either. I don't necessarily know that what the, what the work involves, or what the development or what the, the the physicality that happens after dying necessarily is, but um, but I do believe that, that for the people that have gone before us, uh, they live in our hearts, and they live in our dreams, and they live in our minds, and Maybe that's enough.
0: It's a good place to end it, brother. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) That was really nice. James, love you, brother. Thank you. Love you,
1: you too. Oh, thank you. This is good to
0: do. It was really fun. We got to do it again. Of course, we'll give it some time. Because you gave me plenty of time. But, and I love your song, man. I can't wait to hear the recording. And I'll talk to you again real soon, man.
1: Yeah, reach out to me anytime. I appreciate it. You never, you you have no idea how much it helps me.
0: Yeah, I I love that. The other day, I was going through some hard stuff and you were talking me through it. And yeah, you mentioned um, that, uh, you know, by the way, you reaching out is helping me too. And it landed for me because, you know, I'm a 12-stepper, so I understand that being of service. It is it is interesting when you think about it like that though. It's like, wow, I actually, you know, and you know it's true. It's like, yeah, you are helping each other. Even when you're the one reaching out for help, you're helping who you're reaching out to. So that's a good thing to keep in mind.
1: There's a, there's a friend of mine that says, there's no way I could advise you to do something you know, uh, productive for your relationship, for your dynamic that you're in, and for me to not consider putting it to work in my own life. <laughs> right. That's because I'm at some point, I can't just be all mouth. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. It's a good reminder. It's intimacy and it's the nature of spirituality. When you think about the 12 step rooms, when people are talking about their issues and you realize oh all of us are here having a human experience and we're all full of issues and dealing with stuff and so when you see that from others you're reminded that you're not it's you know it can become like it's me i'm in this crazy you know space and it's like no it's all of us we're all dealing you know and that's to me the essence of spirituality
1: yeah well, um, I smell some good cabbage and black eyed peas cooking right now. Oh, Go get God. it. Gold. Put some
0: hot sauce on it. <laughs> oh yeah. <I> <laughs> you know me.
1: You
0: know me. You look great
1: and it you was do great too. to talk with you today. Yeah. Really man.
0: Love you, yeah. bro. I'll talk Love to you, you later. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, if you've made it this far. I hope so. And yeah, we'll see you again later, James. Bye bye.